The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dylan, did you see the shit that I posted in the chat yesterday about the fucking cinnamon roll dough ice cream that I ate? No, I missed that. It was incredible. (laughs) It changed the fucking game. Cookie dough ain't shit. Them's bold words. (laughs) I know. I mean them. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we have a special treat for all you in listener land today because we have a guest for the first time. Hi, guest. Say your name. Hello, I'm JP. This is JP. JP just what? put on a sultry voice. We have voice. a guest. <laughs> uh, yeah, JP is here. JP is a friend of ours from college. He directed us in a couple shows. We work together on things. JP's fun people. JP, introduce yourself to the lovely listeners out there. Okay, so... I was about to say I knew them from college, but Chris stole my intro there. Yes. Um, but so <laughs> yeah, <I'm> a <laughs> I knew uh, I uh, knew Chris and Dylan in college. Uh, we did a few shows together in in the theater world, uh, which I started with. Um, now I'm really uh, I live in Washington D.C. visiting Chicago uh, for a few days, um, performing at Chicago Sketch Fest here. I've been in. Uh, been into the comedy scene in dc for a while and uh heard this podcast thought hey theater and video games that's a really interesting idea i bet you could relate sketch comedy and video games too and so that's what we're gonna do um Woo! also please forgive uh jp is here in chicago with me um i have but one microphone because microphones are expensive and i work at a grocery store uh so if there's level weirdness, I'm going to do my best in editing to make this nice and smooth and pretty. But if there's any points where, like, either JP or I are quieter than is desirable, uh, we're, like, sitting next to each other and leaning in when it's time to talk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, forgive any technical foibles. Um, <laughs> Dylan, anything new with you since we talked literally two days ago two to days record ago? the last episode? <laughs> um, not really. I mean... The only new thing really is that we are all undergoing snowpocalypse, but... Yeah. So... We all, we all kind of got crap throat. Except... So here's the thing. I, as okay. mentioned, I work at a grocery store. That's my day job. They were anticipating a big snowstorm to hit really the entire country over the last few days, but it was supposed to roll into Chicago last night. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, there was not room to move in my store. <laughs> yeah, that sounds it about was, right crammed with people doing like pre-storm shopping preparation and like it was the busiest i have ever seen it and i jokingly mentioned to someone i was like oh you know what this means this means we're gonna get all of like three inches of snow (laughs) guess how much snow we got (laughs) how much snow did you guys it's about three inches oh my god (laughs) like um maybe a little more where it drifted but like not much it's you know it's a good snowfall but it's not apocalyptic in the way that everyone was saying it was going to be okay that is comforting for me because we're supposed to be in the thick of it now and while it's while it is certainly 
uh, lighter than what we were anticipating. I I would still say it's going to be more than three inches. So hopefully it won't be as bad as we're fearing. But like, you know, it would be really nice if it was as light as you were saying. Yeah. Uh, who, who knows? Apparently uh, in my girlfriend Alex's hometown, all of the weather people were like completely confused because there are two different like... I don't know shit about meteorology, but there are apparently like two different models that are frequently used to try to predict things like this. Mm-hmm. And one of the models was predicting no snow, and the other model was predicting like 30 <laughs> inches. Mm. And all of the meteorologists were just like, I don't fucking know. Let's um, go with the safe option. Yeah. Enough about the weather. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> like JP mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about sketch comedy this week uh and so i'm gonna turn it over to jp to sort of walk us through you know to sketch us an image if you will <laughs> yes just draw us a sketch of what sketch comedy is <laughs> draw a picture for all you listeners yes. out there uh yeah perfect so when i say i do sketch comedy the first thing people always say is oh you know where you go up and tell jokes with the mic and then i'm like <laughs> no no that's not it that's that, that's a, that's a completely different routine. thing that's stand up they're like oh it's when you make something up and i'm like <laughs> i'm like you're literally that's improv comedy you, you've d- you got the other two <laughs> you've gotten all the other forms of comedy and i'm like no it's the third one and i'm they're like there's a third one at, th- at that point, do you just, like, shake your head and sigh and say, SNL, you dolts? Exactly. I go, it's like SNL, and then I always get the same response. Oh, skits. <laughs> Is there a difference to you between a skit and a sketch? I think absolutely. I think a skit is, it's what you perform in, you know, a college class when you're trying to do a project or okay, something. Okay, like, Do, like, a short scene it's like a short skit to get a point across. It's not like, I feel like it's almost, I don't know. It comes across as a little like, oh, you just do skits. Gotcha. It, at gotcha. least to me, and I feel like a lot of comedians, it's like a sketch is like a proper kind of professional performance. Okay. A skit's like five yeah. minute thing for fun. Okay. Yeah. So if a skit is just this, you know, a quick little thing for fun, walk us through like beyond the thing they do on mm-hmm. SNL. What's a sketch? What do you what do you make it out there? So usually when you sit down and write a sketch, there's two ways you can start it. You can either choose you could think of like a weird environment or a weird world with an unusual thing. Uh, for example, like you could say, okay, in this world, when people meet, they hit each other in the face. And that's the <laughs> that's the truth of this world. And then you create a scene where you just put random people in this unusual world and let it play out. That's one way you could kind of start it. Another way is you could do it based on characters. You could say, okay, I have this one guy, Steve. Um, He hits people in the face when he meets people. And then (laughs) I have... People don't like Steve. (laughs) And then I have Jessica, who really hates when Steve comes to the office and says hello. Um, So you have, like... that. That's another way. It's a character base. Jessica, who always has a black eye. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, Okay, I like that. And so... You come up with this idea, mm. and then you just sort of, like, workshop it until you find what works and yeah. what hits. Yeah, so you usually have a clear punchline or a clear ending. And um, you want to, because a, a sketch is somewhat shorter than, like, a 
piece of theater. You only have really five minutes to start the scene, raise the stakes, and then have that punchline at the end. And what you do is you write it, you bring it into a writer's room where usually there are like six to ten people, other writers working on scenes. Uh, you read through it and people will decide, oh, this is funny, you could do this better. And then it's a process of going back, rewriting it, and keep doing it and editing and uh, until it's kind of that final product that you're ready to perform. Gotcha. Okay. If you had to bullet point, like, and I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, mm-hmm. but let's see what happens. If you had to do, like, three do's and three don'ts for an effective sketch, like, what are the... And obviously, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. sure that it's not <laughs> as clear-cut as that all the time, but, like, mm-hmm. if you're being very broad, what are things that will make a sketch good mm-hmm. reliably and what are things that are going to make it tank <laughs> yeah okay mm-hmm. well usually a good sketch has clear distinct characters um even if you're doing what i was talking about like a weird environment you you want to know the difference between person a and person b if they're just the same they're really just not doing anything for the scene gotcha um you want to have a clear clear rate you want the stakes to be continuously rising throughout the sketch. You can't go from, you know, you can't just have a scene in a grocery store where it's like, you know, some funny thing happened that's very ordinary. You want it to rise to the point where it's like, oh, wow, that I didn't see that coming. That's a really funny punchline. Uh, so you want that clear punchline. Um, trying to think. Oh, I, this is one that gets a lot of people. Shorter is a lot better. Um, there's tons of sketches or scenes you could have where people don't know how to make it concise. Mm-hmm. So it could go for like 10 pages and you just explain the joke away. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Keep it. People know when it's funny. Um, the audience will react. Uh, you don't need to have like paragraph after paragraph. Right. Um, I guess those are three key pieces. Yeah. Okay. That last bit just reminded me one of my favorite groups of people making online stuff are a they're a Canadian sketch group called Loading Ready Run. Hmm. Uh and, you know, for a long time they were doing weekly, like usually three to five minute sketches that they would put out. Uh they have in the past few years stopped doing that. They've been focusing on a lot more like continuous content mm-hmm. and doing streaming, but they still have a run of things called crap shots that are like thirty second to a minute long, like one joke and it's done yeah. kind of things and they are reliably some of the funniest <laughs> stuff that, uh, being made on the internet like like you're saying if you yeah. can get it down to the point where it's nice and short and sweet yeah i i have been to some comedy shows with some, some <laughs> bits that have not been Ooh, strong boy. enough to hold the length of what they were being asked to hold and that brings <laughs> up an interesting point actually and that's there are kind of different formats for sketches where um, like a blackout sketch is where you have that one liner it blacks out Mm -hmm. Um, a runner sketch is it runs throughout the performance you might have the blackout scene reoccurring throughout different sketches interesting Um, so there's different kind of ideas um, okay like what type of sketch do we want do we want it's one unusual person everyone else is normal do we want one normal person everyone else unusual it really changes depending on your format very cool that's probably enough on like what a sketch is. If you're still unclear, like go watch Loading Ready Run or any given SNL bit. Like watch Key and Peel. Watch like... Key and Peel. Watch uh, old all Keenan that. And Kel sketches. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot out there, and it's fun. 
Um, it's not stand-up comedy. It's not, <laughs> and it's not improv. <laughs> SNL, while they use improv as a writing tool, what you are seeing on the television are scripted sketches. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. That is a, just a common misconception that I hear because like SNL comes out of an improv background, but that's not improv comedy. It's sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're a gaming podcast, so we're going to bring this around to video games a little bit. And What up, gamers? <laughs> hey, what's up? Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about these ideas that JP has brought up about what makes a good sketch and where that kind of mindset can be seen in game design. When we were texting about this episode, like the first thing that popped into my head that I think might be fun to dive into was dungeon design, uh, Mm -hmm. level design, specifically in something like a dungeon in The Legend of Zelda or a level of something like Mega Man or Sonic or Mm. Shovel Knight. And what I mean by that really is like if you look at a game level frequently in the kinds of games that I was just laying out you're going to have multiple discrete I'm going to use the word dungeon because it's a good word for this that really applies more to Zelda but I'm going to just like Mm -hmm. let's keep our terms consistent Um, (laughs) you will have multiple dungeons which are the areas in which like the main challenges of the game are each with its own sort of theming and each with its own sort of idea behind it So, like, in Zelda, those dungeons are, like, you have a water dungeon where there's lots of puzzles about manipulating the water level. Or there's a fire dungeon where you have to find ways around fiery obstacles. And the reason that this popped in my head is it's very much that idea you had, JP, of, like, you want to come up with whatever your, like, core idea of the sketch is. That, like, what's weird about this world? Mm -hmm. In a lot of games that approach level design this way, each dungeon will contain an item or a power-up or an ability that you get that kind of solves the dungeon for you. Uh, yeah. To use Zelda as an example in, like, I'm trying to use Link from the Past, but it's been so long since I used Link, since I played Link from the Past that I'm forgetting the specifics yeah, of it. Yeah, that you forgot um, the title. Yeah. Did I say <laughs> Link, Link from the, the past? past? Yes. <laughs> you gotta go back, Link. <laughs> you gotta go back to the past. Oh, my God. Um <laughs> Okay, here's here's sorry, one. I Legend- completely threw you off. You're but, fine. Uh... Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker. Uh, the yes. the first proper dungeon of that game uh, is a volcano dungeon, and it's all about like there's a lot of puzzles and a lot of challenges based around like navigating around lava. Yeah. The midpoint of that dungeon, the item you find is a grappling hook, which suddenly opens up a whole new way of navigating and allows you to reach areas of the level that were previously inaccessible. Um, right. That is a very core tenant of the Zelda game design, and it's a core tenant of a lot of games that share this kind of, like, level design as core gameplay piece. And that, to me, feels very much the same way that, like, both in the good and bad ways you were talking about sketch comedy. Like, they have their clear idea. They have, like, it's not a punchline, but you get, there is a point to the level that you get, and then you have to get to the point of, like, okay... I can now solve these puzzles reliably. Mm-hmm. But also sometimes you run into ones where like, maybe it's a little too long. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, there's a little yeah. too much dungeon for a, a punchline, a problem solution that is not quite engaging enough to keep you going all the way through. <laughs> oh, I was just going to point out, and it's also mm-hmm. that journey through the dungeon. You might not get to that point, you know, you might not find that grappling hook the first time. You might have to go down a few wrong corridors, get caught in the maze. And that's really kind of... Uh, you can think of that as the sketch writing process. Yeah. You, okay, you don't yeah, find yeah. that punchline immediately. You have to take those wrong turns and realize, okay. You get several game overs, <laughs> you bomb in front of a few yeah. audiences, and then you figure out what yeah, makes the sketch exactly. work. And then you reach that ending, and it all works out. You know, yeah. you get your master sword. <laughs> there it is. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the games that I was thinking of, Chris, and then I think once we get our games out, like in the open, we can kind of pinpoint the ones that we really want to talk about. But I was thinking of, uh, first of all, I was thinking of Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze um, yes. as JP was talking about sketch comedy. Yes. And then, like, <laughs> as you were mentioning Sonic, I was thinking very specifically about, like, uh, the last two Sonic games to come out, Sonic Mania and Sonic Forces, and the difference between those two. Yeah, there's <laughs> a, lot then, to, a lot to mine in the differences between those two. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, finally, uh, I, I just thought of Persona 5, because there are some dungeons with gimmicks that are really cool and are fun and are quick, and they constantly like raise the stakes and then there are just as many dungeons that have really bad ideas and go on for way too long <laughs> i want to jump in really quick because this put you put this in my head with your talk on sonic can we talk about how sonic unleashed is basically one really bad through sketch <laughs> like you get a few really good levels of like sonic going fast but then it's constantly interrupted by like Jim in the corner of the writer's room was like, I want to do this one about the hairy man who fights. <laughs> How then, long is this sketch? Oh, it's an hour. <laughs> it's an hour. Five times. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. For those of you who haven't played Sonic Unleashed, it's... Half of the game is a really fun, like... Yeah, uh, well, no, let's let's not be generous. A third of it is the best 3D Sonic game that's ever been. The other <laughs> two-thirds is a cruddy God of War ripoff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... It makes me sad. And anyway... So... You, you have, like, these really fun levels where you are running really fast, and things constantly change. Like, one minute you will be running on the side of a building, the next you will be kind of weaving through what's essentially a racetrack. Yeah. And it's those levels the, are really fun. Hm? It's the most responsive that 3D Sonic has ever been. Like, those you know games... What? I, I will I will agree with that, actually. Those games, those levels in Sonic Unleashed are, to me at least, feel the best to play out of yeah. any 3D Sonic. Like... It's still it's still got its own layer of jank, but I have a bias because like I've learned to get used to the jank in older Sonic games, but I will agree with you in that I think as far as 3D Sonic goes, Sonic Unleashed, when you are playing the good levels, <laughs> when you're feels playing really Sonic, good. it's great. <laughs> Lies by. Yeah. Uh, hey, this guy's got jokes. <laughs> I do do stand-up, you know. <laughs> no one else will get that reference anyway, but That's whatever. So, I, I cannot believe how many people don't know what sketch comedy is. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about oh, that forever. But, uh, yeah, no, but, uh, you know, you, you look at the werehog levels. Uh, those are the very slow plotting levels that play, like, Bad God of War. Those levels involve you... Like, having to stop to fight enemies, like, the the combat's not even creative. You are mainly just mashing one or two buttons. Yep. And And then when you're not levels... doing that, you're doing very, like, slow-plotting, uninteresting platforming challenges. Yeah. <laughs> and those levels go on for, like, 20 minutes on average. The final level is an hour. <laughs> it's a bad sketch. <laughs> it's, it's a bad sketch. So, yeah, like, that that's, that's Sonic Unleashed. And that is, I feel like you can basically say that is the problem of, like, most bad Sonic level design in a nutshell it just goes on for too long with yeah. not enough interesting things going on. I'm honestly on. curious to segue from this into your thoughts on, like, Mania versus Forces. Okay, so, yeah. Um, Sonic Mania is really cool because it is an anniversary game, so it brings back a lot of old levels. And so in, in every classic Sonic game, um, a level is divided into two acts, 
Alright, so this is going to be a little weird to explain, but stick with me here. So, Sonic Mania, when it brings back an old level, it kind of sums up that entire level in the first act. And then the second act introduces something new from a different level and incorporates that into... It's sort of a remix of what... So, like, Sonic Mania, you get... Area 2 is Chemical Plant Zone, which originally appeared in Sonic 2. Yes, and so Chemical Plant Zone Act 1 is basically a combination of everything that was good about the original Chemical Plant Zone. But then when you get to Chemical Plant Zone Act 2, thank you, Chris, you you got the ball rolling for me. Yeah, yeah, Uh, I got you. When you get to Chemical Plant Zone Act 2, the gimmick that they add is uh, Bouncy Floors, which they took from Wacky Workbench from Sonic CD. It's it's this cool thing where, like, you get the thing that you like, and then they take something and add on top of that, and in a way that makes it work. Hmm. Which, to toss the ball back to JP, we were talking mm-hmm. before we started recording about sort of how sketches get put together, and he mentioned something about, like, is is that the kind of thing you would ever do moving from, like, one show to another when you're making your adaptations? Mm-hmm, definitely. I mean, you know, if I'm performing for in New York City versus Washington, D.C., uh, mm-hmm. one sketch might be so specific to D.C. It's, like, set in D.C., it's a D.C. type of humor, you know, like... The question, what do you do, comes up in D.C. a lot. And we have a, a scene that goes, that plays I off I feel that. that in my bones. <laughs> so that's like a huge thing in D.C. But when you come to, you know, perform in Chicago or New York, that might not be as relatable because it's just not as common. So we de- you're, you're definitely going to adapt and choose, okay, these are the sketches that are going to make sense for this audience. And... Um, we might want to rewrite, you know, these few lines to make it specific to a Chicago audience versus a DC audience. So definitely, that's present. Tossing the ball back to Dylan. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just like I was like, oh, aha, no, it's, it's a segue, fine. buttery um, smooth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was I, that was interesting. I quite enjoyed that. Thank you. So yeah, I, I feel like I, I kind of mentioned everything I can about Sonic Mania, like for the sake of brevity. Yeah. Then we look at Sonic Forces and. Sonic Forces is a game I really wish I liked more. <laughs> uh, Sonic uh, Forces is the most recent Sonic game. Uh, in it, you actually like create your own Sonic-esque character. Uh, if you want to laugh, like just look up some of the horror shows that people have made um, <laughs> in this in this medium. I'm not even going to be looking at the fan character gameplay because I, I I don't know how to explain it, and it's something that bothers me, and I wish I was more learn or learned in game design mm-hmm. because uh something about the sonic forces levels feel off but i can never really put my finger on what it is but i think listening to jp talk about sketch comedy and me trying to think about what he's saying and applying that to video games <laughs> i uh <laughs> i i think the problem with the sonic forces levels is that you know i talked about the unleashed levels and how like you know, one minute you might be running on the side of a roof, or you might be literally running on water, and the next the next portion of that level, that sketch, quote-unquote, is that you might go from running on water to tobogganing on a glacier, or something oh, like that. you're talking about my favorite level in that game, too. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a great level. That, that song in that level is so good. <laughs> or, like, you know, a rooftop run. You might be literally running on rooftops, uh, then scaling the, the side of a building to going, jumping from, like, below balloon float to balloon float and this is all stuff that not only is mechanically different but also is aesthetically different and like it just it gives this feeling of like change and evolution over the course of this level it kind of tells a story in and of itself sonic forces doesn't really have that (laughs) 
Sonic Forces, at least the levels I've played on my brother's Switch, is like you are running through a jungle, and now you're running through a jungle in 2D, and now you're running through a jungle, and oh, that was kind of a cheap death. That didn't feel great. (laughs) (laughs) And then the level is over before anything really changes or evolves, or maybe something does change, but the change comes way too late for it to really leave a lasting impact Uh, yeah i was gonna bring it back to jp like has there ever been like a sketch where that either you were writing or you were uh viewing where it kind of felt like it wasn't going anywhere and then it started to but like that was the punchline, and then like the whole thing just kind of fell flat (laughs) (laughs) like don't don't use names obviously uh... (laughs) no call out your sketch enemies now (laughs) (laughs) so um I have had scenes kind of that I felt like hit the punchline and then continued going for like a uh, long time without without any new punchline <laughs> like to help that out. Any new punchlines where it's like, mm. you know, it's great. It hits that punchline in like the first minute and then it goes on for 10 more minutes. <laughs> oh no. And you're just like I guess it's like defeating the final boss in a game. In, within like uh, five minutes, and then suddenly it's like, well, you gotta keep going. <laughs> keep, keep it going. Uh, to steal some terminology from one of my favorite online game talk people, extra credits. They did a really great episode several years ago on this idea of their, the distinction between differences in scale and differences in kind. So a difference in scale being like in any given like RPG, you have a sword and then you get another sword that hits harder. Like the only difference is one of magnitude. Uh, In that case of numbers, sometimes it can be in terms of like size. Whereas a difference in kind is like an actually qualifiably different experience. Uh, And what you were talking about, like what's good in Sonic Unleashed and what's good in Sonic Mania is they provide a lot of differences in kind. They provide, like, you're doing one thing, and then something changes, and you have you spend a little while at that level doing something completely different. And then something else changes, and now you're doing, like, a combination of those two things that you had to master. And, like, mm-hmm. it's changing the script and keeping things fresh, mm-hmm. as opposed to just, like, here's a level. The next level is the same, but longer. <laughs> like, <laughs> the next sketch is the same, but the punchline is the same, but... Oh. It takes us five minutes longer to get there. And the build-up makes you laugh. And I think going off that, it's really easy when you're writing sketches because to develop a sort of style of how you write sketches. And this uh, this affected me for a while, where I'd like, okay. okay, this is how I open the sketch, and then it's going to go on in this format, and then we're going to reach the punchline. It's going to be a big twist. And then you realize, like, a month later, you wrote ten sketches that have the exact same like progression like if you if you draw out the interest curve it's identical they're like identical they're in different (laughs) scenes they're different characters but if you really think about it they're the same sketch (laughs) and it's really hard to get stuck in that trap Mm. just want to throw a caveat out there none of us are game designers we're not trying to like hate on any of the people behind any of these games that were like they're not good. We we ain't here being negative. We're just commenting on like what we are I'm, observing. I, I'm I'm reflecting on why in the case of Sonic Forces, as a fan of this series, as a fan of this formula, even why this didn't really affect me the same way other levels have. And I know I do know people who like, you know, the first run through of this level, they didn't really care much for it. But like, you know, like with a lot of things, Sonic, with like repeated playthroughs and like trying to beat your time and get the best time and score chasing, they were able to get a lot more value out of that. So I guess, yeah, to continue with that caveat, like 
entertainment is subjective. Yeah, no accounting for taste. <laughs> Persona 5 is what I was going to mention next. Dive in! Hey, uh, first of all, uh, I'll, I'll just mention about the uh, RPG loop. A huge appeal of Japanese RPGs in particular is that every time you go to a dungeon and you start exploring a dungeon, and I feel like this can also be applied to RPGs in general, not just in games, but like, uh, or not just in video games, but in Dungeons and Dragons. You know, the appeal of dungeon exploring is that you are kind of, you are going through these caves, you are fighting enemies, and, you know, if you're lucky, and if the DM loves you, uh, you will find loot and treasure that enable your characters to fight more effectively. Maybe that's just something as simple as your numbers increase. Or it could be something like, this is an amulet that gives you a special effect when you fight with lightning damage. I don't know. What I think Persona 5 does that's really cool is that it kind of adds to the loop with the gimmick. Gimmick doesn't sound right, but uh, with the framing that you are phantom thieves and you are there to steal treasure. That gaming loop kind of evolves from that. So in the, the first dungeon of Persona 5, you are robbing a castle. And so a lot of the things is there's a lot of sneaking involved. You might have like some intricate puzzles involving going to into the dungeons and like having to interrogate a guard there or something. I don't have a perfect memory of the dungeons of Persona 5 I want to throw out there. I This is all based off of what I remember from playing the game two years ago now. What I'm thinking of specifically in terms of like levels that I liked is the second dungeon of Persona 5 has you robbing an art museum, and so that kind of... That kind of starts with you, like, avoiding security cameras, avoiding very obvious traps, going around, like, surveillance lasers. And by the end of the dungeon, it kind of involve, it evolves into you going through this massive, like, multi-layered safe where, like, you are, con- you are, like, chipping away, like, finding passwords to get into the next layer. And there's another safe, and you gotta constantly, like, find new passwords and chip away at this safe's, like, defenses until you are finally in the core and you beat the dungeon. And then in, there's another dungeon where you're basically robbing a pyramid. Like, you, you are tomb raiding for all what? intents and purposes. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. But, like, the best part about that dungeon is that it starts outside of the pyramid. Um, You start off in the desert, and you go to the local town. And I forget quite what you do there, but you're you're basically in this town investigating, trying to find a way into the pyramid. And then once you get in the pyramid, you're like... You're avoiding traps. You have to, like, find these amulets that allow you to go in deeper. Dylan, I was just going to say, this mm-hmm. This is a perfect example of a sketch with a, way too many elements going on. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. But I think in, in terms of uh, Persona 5, it is, you know, like, it, it's supposed to be a slow burn, whereas the mm-hmm. sketch is supposed to be, like, laughter. <laughs> laughter. Um, and, like, don't drag that out, obviously. It's also a good example, though, of the whole, like, you want to have that specific world mm-hmm. in which your sketch takes place. And yeah. Persona, like, just by the virtue of, like, Persona being a game series where all of these dungeons you're going into are, like, in people's psyches, it does that very well. Like, they're able to, in-universe, justify having very specific and very, like, quirky and interesting starting points for these levels before they even yeah. get into the actual design of them. Like, just the aesthetic that they're going for can be such a great uh, jumping-off point for them. Yeah, like, what What are the... I'm going to tie in theater here. Wait for it. Mm-hmm. Given circumstances... Hey, we used that term on this show before. <laughs> of the environment. We did it. Um, 
like specifically the dungeons that I've been talking about or well I mean what what's kind of interesting here is like these mm-hmm. these dungeons are influenced not just by the given circumstances of like the story this far but on the given circumstances of the characters that yeah you are sneaking in like the first one that you were talking about with like the the castle the character that this castle is the psyche of sees himself as a king of the school he's a he's a teacher gym teacher what is he again he's a gym teacher yeah and he views himself as like the king of the school and so his psyche is a castle the person who the art museum belongs to is a famous painter like they they're able to like weave together like the character backstory and the situations of the world into these Mm -hmm. like level designs which is a very cool thing i just realized i conflated two of the dungeons but it's fine it's okay (laughs) yeah i i don't think anyone really cares and if they do Hey, we have listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So anyway, I I guess like JP was saying, like there is a danger of adding too much to a level. And I think that is shown way better in the later dungeons near when you're nearing the end of the game. So I guess late game spoilers, if you haven't played Persona 5, there is a level that is a space station and... (laughs) I won't, I, won't talk about, I won't talk about the given circumstances, but, like, it's it's basically the Death Star, and... What the fuck? I... <laughs> this, this is a very confusing game. It, it makes sense in context. You're just gonna have to take my word for it. Like, the guy... No. no you know what? Never mind. I, I, won't, I won't talk about the plot. I'll just talk about the level. You are in a space station, and... <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I can't remember a lot of the early level. That's that's the problem. This was a very forgettable dungeon. <laughs> but um, problem is, like, near the end of the level, there are these segments where you are kind of going out through a port and you are letting gravity... You know that scene in Revenge of the Sith, Star Wars Episode Three, where, like, uh, General Grievous... <laughs> I hope you've been thinking about these characters lately. <laughs> that's my favorite movie, so... <laughs> of course. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Where uh, General Grievous just kind of, like, breaks a hole in through, like, the station that he's in. And, like, gets sucked out by gravity. (laughs) And then he, like, re-enters through, like, another location. Yes. Okay. (laughs) That is kind of... I can picture this scene. Mm -hmm. I wish I couldn't, but I can. (laughs) That is the gimmick of, like, the last stretch of this dungeon and it is so confusing. Like, you're not even really being a thief. You are like, I enter through this door, and this door will lead me to this part of the station, and now I need to go from this part of the station to another part of the station, and you just kind of need to have, like, this spatial awareness, but to the point where it's, like, fatiguing. And, like, you don't do that once. You do that, like, three or four times. Gross. And, oh, dude, I I, I do not like it. I want to jump in uh, as mm -hmm. a palate cleanser with a bit of level design from a game that I do very much like. Uh, okay. that talking about Persona made me think of. Okay. Uh, there is an older platformer game from Double Fine called Psychonauts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Play Psychonauts. If you've never played Psychonauts, the premise of the game is you play a young boy named Raz who ran away from the circus to join a, sum- a psychic summer camp and learn how to be a psychic soldier called a Psychonaut. And just like Persona, you spend the game like go all of the levels are different people's subconsciouses you go into like sleeping people's dreams Mm. to solve this mystery and influence them and like fix things it's very surreal it's got a very like tim burton-esque art style but they really lean into this like every level and every person's level and psyche has its own quirks and its own ways of interacting with it the best example of which is you go into this guy's mind and this guy's like a conspiracy theorist he thinks that there's spies everywhere (laughs) the conceit of the level is like it's this like 
disjointed think like a stepford wives neighborhood where like everything is perfect and suburban but like it's on platforms floating in space (laughs) so you have to like jump from platform to platform but then there are areas that are being blocked off by like these secret agent dudes in like trench coats and hats Mm -hmm. but they're trying to blend in very ineptly (laughs) and so like there will be a bunch of guys in like brown trench coats and fedoras standing around an open manhole holding plungers and talking disjointedly about sewage or standing around, like, a front yard that you have to get through holding spatulas and saying things like, I too love grilling the meat. And you have, in order to get through them, you have to explore the level and, like, find the items that they're holding so that you can carry the item and they will think you're one of them and you can bypass the the challenge. And, like, that level makes me laugh more than any sketch I've ever watched because it's, like, (laughs) it's such a perfect, like... What a slap to the face. Yeah, ah. JP, your your art form is trash. No, I, <laughs> this is a trap. <laughs> no, but like that level feels like a good piece of sketch comedy to me because like it's you immediately are able to grasp like the rules under which the world is operating. The characters are very distinct and like when you figure things out, it just like the absurdity of what you have to do to successfully navigate this is like a great punchline. I love that. I love Psychonauts. Go play Psychonauts, everybody. <laughs> Okay. I guess the question is, how long does the level last? Not terribly. It's not one of the shortest levels well, in the game. When, but like, when you don't know where to go, like yeah, it, when it, I was it, first going through it, it was pretty long. It's one of the more rambly levels because like some of the levels in Psychonauts are very like, you go straight through mm-hmm. and like it's a challenge gauntlet. This level is more of a like, you have to explore the space and figure things out, yeah. which means it takes a little bit longer, but as a counterbalance, it is a like... If you know what you're doing, it's one of the shortest levels in the game. Gotcha. So, like, it can drag a little bit, but, like, I was having too much fun listening to just, like, a a shadowy government agent holding a plunger saying, feces. Just, like, (laughs) I was having too much fun in the the space to care that it was taking me too long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted I know I've been on Persona 5 for a little bit, but I I do want to address one of the, the, like, the second to last dungeon. Spoilers. It's a cruise ship. And that's really cool as an idea for oh, a... Just one quick question, Dylan. Oh, yeah, go I ahead. I just want to make sure I got this straight. It's been in a pyramid, a spaceship, and okay. now a cruise ship? So, so, JP, you've seen Inception, right? I have. That's It's Persona. basically Inception. Oh. Yeah, all of these are in... All of these are, like, the subconsciouses of people that you're interacting oh, okay, with. Okay, okay. I'm like, whoa. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a globetrotting adventure. <laughs> Like I, I, I get I get where your confusion lies and I'll, I'll bury it right now let's by just, being let's like that. <laughs> yeah, you're on a cruise ship and so a lot of it is just like cuz like there there's a very uh the the villain of this cruise ship is like very classist and so a lot of it is like talking to NPCs to try to get the clearance to go to the next section. And that alone would be fine if, like, that wasn't this enti- the entirety of this, like, five, six-hour dungeon. And, like six hours t- is long for any dungeon. To, to be fair, the game loop is supposed to be, I do a little bit of the dungeon, I leave the dungeon, and I do some other stuff before I go back into the dungeon. But the it's way like I was playing sketch. this game... <laughs> yeah, it's a run... <laughs> Holy crap, yeah. Persona dungeons are runner sketches. <laughs> That's we got there. Hey, it's, it's tied it back. That one actually was a smooth segue, and not just me pretending. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But like the way I I've been playing the, uh, these dungeons in this run through of Persona Five, I would do all of the I would complete the dungeon first, and then I would do all the awesome side stuff that the game will then allow me to do. 
but the uh I, I guess the big problem is like there's a lot of gimmicks where it's like there's a gimmick where like you can't go through any of these hallways and so like you have to use a statue to shrink yourself to mice and like scurry around and to get to the next area and there's like five of those and then after that you or in between like each of those segments you have to talk to yet more npcs so it's this kind of feeling of back and forth where like it's the same thing except longer now um and i think that that kind of ties back to what you were saying earlier about like the sketch kind of reached its punchline but then it like kept going <laughs> and it was more or less the same thing it was just a repetition of the same joke over yeah, and over like it, again it introduced everything right at the beginning and then didn't have anything to shake it up as the time was going on yeah yeah it's gotcha. just the same thing but longer but it's it's in its mind it's like trying to build up to the ultimate punchline because like in terms of the game world the stakes are like at an astronomically high level i guess the the mentality was it has to build up to a really big moment but they only had so many ideas that carried them so far. Right. I had something. It doesn't really re- relate to level building, though. Mm-hmm. Is, that a, okay. is that okay? Should I say oh, that fine. that topic? No, that's no, fine. No, no. This, is, this that... is about video games yeah. and sketch. Video games, games, sketch, perfect. whatever you want to hop in on. You're the sketch man. Anything you want to talk so, about yeah, goes. So, I have, like, a perfect kind of, My When I think about, like, what video game describes a sketch, and I think we were talking about this, um, is... If you've ever played Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering, these sort of deck building games, I feel like that is a perfect oh. example of building a sketch because I've played a lot of Magic the Gathering in my day. <laughs> so Hearthstone is a video game, so mm-hmm. it counts. And, as and we've, we've talked about tabletop we, we've talked games about before. Tabletop so games too. Magic, Magic is fair game. So, um, so basically, it's you have to you know you're choosing to construct your deck in a specific way, and it has a specific end goal. Usually, it's some sort of combo where you're going to you know do 50 damage at the end and destroy your opponent. Yeah. Uh, quick, just jump in in case anyone doesn't know. Magic: The Gathering is what is called a trading card game or collectible collectible card game, uh, in which you put together a deck using these different cards that are released at regular intervals, and they you know you fight your opponent's deck and so theoretically there are infinite different mm. variations of decks that you can build play the game i'm not gonna like i used to be a magic judge i could go real deep on the rules that's not good podcasting mm. <laughs> there are there are plenty of podcasts about magic out there that you can go listen to if you want to do that um anyway back to you jp sorry so, so yeah you normally uh, construct your deck and then you know you go into battle against whoever you're playing against and it either works or it doesn't and then <laughs> you know it's pretty you either win or lose and that's really much like when you perform a sketch people either laugh or they don't um you usually try it you know five two or three times you know because sometimes you know the other person's deck just is built to counter yours or you know if i tried my washington dc sketches in chicago if the audience didn't laugh it didn't doesn't mean it's not funny it just means it's not maybe it relies on something that the chicago crowd was not familiar with yep exactly so you have to go back and you rebuild and edit your deck or rewrite your sketch until you have that deck that performs you know 75 percent win weight win rate i love this because it introduces the idea of a sketch comedy metagame (laughs) 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 i now need like competitive head-to-head sketch shows like you got matchups you got tier lists oh my gosh uh (laughs) now i'm thinking of like competitive pokemon yeah metagame describes like in any competitive game the sort of like extra level of like in a fighting game it's like okay 
what fighters have the best frame data, like what fighters have the most active frames of animation at which that they at which they can act. If I do this strong attack, I leave myself vulnerable for this long. Yeah. Or if I am playing against this type of character, they are really good at reflecting projectiles that I send at them. Yeah. Or in like in in magic, uh, it frequently comes down to kind of a rock paper scissors of like, well, uh, if I play like my aggro burn deck where I'm just like dropping a lot of tiny creatures and trying to hit you directly with damage, uh, that'll work fine against like the the combo player that's trying to stall the game out. But if I go up against like the guy playing the like middle of the road deck with all the answers, that's not going to work. So like, how many of all these different decks are in the mm-hmm. the, the pool that I'm going to be playing against? It's Metagame is a complicated topic that I actually Metagame now really want to do a whole op- episode on. <laughs> Metagame like, is essentially, like, I can play to the best of my ability, but, like, how much easier can I make it for myself yeah. by I, knowing I, just, like, how the game is designed? I don't know how to do it, but I desperately want us to do an episode on metagame. I, like, I don't play any games competitively, so that will be really hard. I played, I used to play Magic competitively, and I kind of played League competitively, so I could, I'll figure something out. Anyway, I wonder if that opens up, so there's this idea in various areas of the Magic the Gathering community of something Mm -hmm. that is referred to as Magical Christmas Land. Okay. uh, Which is the beautiful moment when, like, you're going to lose. Your your deck <laughs> is not working. You're at the end of the rope, like you're dead next turn, and then you draw and like a thing that wins you the game oh, yeah. that is Exodia not at the all forbidden one. But like no, see, Exodia isn't because Exodia is like what that deck was meant to do. I know, in, I know. In Yu-Gi-Oh, Just, I'm fucking around. <laughs> yeah, in in Magic: The Gathering, it's like there. There's a a podcast that I listen to called North 100, which is a it's from Loading Ready Run, and it's a bunch of guys talking about a specific magic format. But they recently did an episode on Magical Christmas Land where they were talking about how this guy won a game because he had four incredibly powerful cards that he basically turned into an infinite loop to win off of an extremely mundane mechanic. (laughs) He was able to just, like, repeat the same thing over and over again and use an incidental fact of that recursion to win the game when Mm. he should not have... Have you ever experienced any magical Christmas lands in sketch comedy when, like, you're bombing and things are going terribly and then something just happens that saves the day? I mean, whew. I guess, yeah, there have been times where a sketch just isn't performing how it's supposed to and then some sort of human error or an actor makes some sort of, you know, they, they mess up somehow in a way that it wasn't supposed to be funny, but it, something a word comes out differently than you think it would come out and suddenly the sketch is funny. I think really, though, this magical Christmas land really applies to... I'm not sure if it could apply within a sketch as much as, okay, we that sketch didn't work, but the next sketch... Like, the entire, like, you know, usually have a lineup of, like, ten sketches, let's say. Mm. If the first nine bomb, but then your tenth one's really good and it kills it, at least, you know, you end on that high note. Okay, and yeah. You, the audience okay. leaves remembering that last sketch. Gotcha. I had one quick thing. Hit me. Um, and that's because just Dylan, you mentioned Pokemon, and I was actually thinking about this this morning, and how you know normally in Pokemon you go to a gym and you have to battle you know a gym leader who has a specific yeah. type of mm-hmm. Pokemon, um, and you know you normally have like four or five main Pokemon in rotation, and that's really yeah. a good way of thinking of you know when we when we travel to perform, you know we have like a pool of. 20 30 sketches we choose from but depending where we're performing we're going to choose the five or six that we think are going to be specifically 
strong for this area. And I think okay. that that is a good relation with Pokemon and going to battle. And that's Chicago is weak against fire fire type <laughs> sketches. Chicago is uh, very actually that'd be Cleveland and like Erie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think that'll probably do it for us. We can wrap on that note. Yeah, Thank you so much for joining it. us, JP. Uh, uh, I'm do you... sorry, people who were excited to hear me talk about Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Maybe another time. <laughs> I'm sure we'll loop around. I know. Uh, JP, do you want to throw any like plugs for anything anywhere people can find your stuff? Yep. So uh, check out Bad Medicine Comedy. Uh, we are performing in DC. We're right now at Chicago Sketch Fest. If you hear this, which you won't, uh, you'll, we're performing. You'll tonight. be hearing this like. <laughs> Two days after Chicago Sketch Fest ends, probably. We'll but. be here next year, so uh, check us out. Bad Medicine Comedy. It's been great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, dude, it was a pleasure. Yeah, couple other quick announcements. Uh, we mentioned this last week, or like four days ago, when you hear this, but uh, Dylan is going to be on a arc of the podcast Unexplored, Unexplored Places. Places. We got the name in one now. this time. Christine, it's I'm done sorry. by our good friend Christine. Uh, it is an actual play podcast. It's a lot of fun. Be on the lookout for Dylan there soon. I also mentioned that I'm going to be, I am appearing in the last episode of a podcast project called Unwell. I said in the episode that we recorded on Thursday that it was coming out sometime in February. And then on Friday morning, their Twitter announced that the epi- that Unwell is now out on Apple Podcasts. So I was wrong. It is, re- they released episode one. I'm in episode eight. I want to say it's episode eight. I think it's an eight-episode season. Either way, it's set to be a really cool show. It's spooky and funny, and, like, go check out Unwell. I think that's it for announcements. We've been Backstage Gaming. We've really enjoyed having you here. We hope you enjoyed sort of us shaking it up and bringing on a guest this week. Uh, If you like what you hear, please feel free to check us out at bsgpod.com. That's our website. You can find bios. You can find all of our episodes. You can find a contact link. Uh, and yeah, that is your one-stop shop for all things us. You can't actually buy anything there. We have no merch. But maybe one day. Dylan, social me. Yeah, all right. So we got... <laughs> That's your go-to you. now. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so we have a Facebook. We have Twitter. Um, our handle is at BSG underscore cast. We have a YouTube. Um, and if you like us or want to talk about us... Uh, we really recommend that you use the hashtag BSGPod. Um, if you like our artwork that we have up at, on our site, that was done for us by our friend Brennan French. If you like his art, you can check out his Squarespace at brennanfrench.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen French.squarespace.com. And as always, thank you to BioQuery for the use of our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. Uh, check him out at soundcloud.com slash bioquery that's soundcloud.com slash b-i-o-q-u-e-r-y he's also on spotify and he just posted something on instagram yesterday about having dropped a new ep so like go check that out he makes a lot of cool weird electronic beat boop sounds thanks again for listening please spread the word please help us grow please tell people that you know and that you like about our show and tell them that you like it as much as you like them maybe more (laughs) Uh, <laughs> depending on who they are maybe don't include that last part I mean like do they self-identify as a gamer don't share with them <laughs> <laughs> thank you all again for listening I'm Chris I'm Dylan and that's I'm JP, JP. <laughs> and thank you again we've been backstage gaming we'll talk to you next week bye 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 now bye now